Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Zach and Josh. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Happy Friday, everyone. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you for the next two hours as we get ready for the weekend. Head into Combine Week. We've got a Sabres game tonight. Niagara basketball is in action against Canisius. So you got a little local rivalry going there. We've also got a Sabres game Sunday, correct, as well? Yes, Carolina on Sunday. Very no- Oh, boy. Never mind. Not very nice. <laughs> hey, Never guess what? Mind. I opened my laptop to Tankathon, and that was the first website that was pulled up. I simmed the lottery, and the Sabres went from 8th Tonight. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> so it's like, is he going to hit me with the first overall pick? Like, that's a great mood to be in. Great no. way to start off a... Didn't fight. even get there. Gotta love it. It's good. It's <laughs> Wait. Good. Nope. Nope. Just did it's it again. St- it's eight. still not good. Arizona moves up four spots to one. Gotta love it. <laughs> love Gotta it. love it. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. And that is brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll need to find it at NorthtownAuto.com. All right. Combine week next week, Josh. I know. It's came out of nowhere. I honestly like because I we've been promoting it all week. I mean, you've probably heard Zach or I do it in our updates where it's mm-hmm. you know, tune in because Sal's gonna be there. I'm gonna I'm gonna I, do it, the read at some point well, in the show. It, it came out of nowhere. Like I just I'm, I'm like, yeah, it. the combine's next week. And then I'm all also like, whoa, the combine's next week. Like, I was saying it last night on the nightcap of just how quick you realize the NFL offseason goes, or at least like yep. the key points that like everyone's excited for, and that's always like the start of free agency, you know, the legal tank, ta- tampering period, which is always a blast, and then the draft, and then you know within that is like the combine, the Senior Bowl, and all that. 
it's like a two and a half month run. Maybe right. three. Like if, 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 like, like, if you truly had... take a little bit of break after the Super Bowl, yeah. it's a very quick run, and then it's the long wait. Then right. you've got a, a bit here where like it's rookie mini camps where like you don't get a ton there. No one's hitting. They're not in pads, so something crazy. Mandatory mini camps come a little bit later, but that's in the summer, so we're going through basically all the spring with nothing really going on. Golf. Golf. <laughs> it comes at you fast, though. We're like yeah. everything else. We're like, boom! It's the combine, and then the combine kind of wraps up, and you're basically a month away from the draft. And after the combine, it's just rumor season. And I've told you, like, that's maybe my favorite part of the combine. And then, like, you know, the few days afterwards of just like, who's BSing everybody? Like, who's telling the truth? Who's lying? You know, it, it it's the rumor game, and it's a blast. Like, yeah. I can't stand when teams give away the game, and are just like, yeah, it's gonna be that guy. Like, obviously, they don't outright say it. But, like, I'm, I'm kind of glad as a Bills fan I've never had to deal with, like, the generational prospect that they're going to take at number one overall. I'd love the talent. Do not mistake what I'm saying. I would love the talent. Right. But I would be just so bored by, like, January. It's it's crazy to me that, like, I don't know why this thought just popped into my head. But, like, throughout the entirety of the, the Bills drought, there was never one year where it was, yep, the Bills are drafting one overall. They're going to get some generational guy. It's going to be great. This is the turnaround. They're going to draft go. a quarterback. Any, no. And nope, they're at like eighth the, every single year. The worst <laughs> they did, I, I want to say, was 2011 when they take Marcel Darius at three. Yep. Yep. Or, uh, at three or four. But that's the lowest they've gotten. Right. Like, and, it, and, and it was a point that was brought up yesterday with Bulldog and Nate of – there's a little bit of reminiscing yesterday with a lot of hockey anniversaries. You know, Miracle, uh, you get the Ottawa Sabres brawl, which was a ton of fun because mm-hmm. that's just not even a part of the game anymore, let and alone, then, like, the Sabres being good. And then today you have the Ilya Labushkin anniversary. Which, which I called on fantastic. Twitter, by the way. Yeah, that was crazy that you said that the, that goal was going to happen. And then And it was all it because did. I was so pissed off the Sabres took a penalty or got a penalty <laughs> called on them right. that I was just like, what's the craziest thing that would happen? Oh, yeah, Labushkin scores on a shorthand. <laughs> and he did it. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Maybe I have superpowers, which just 10-year-old Zach would have lost his mind. But regardless, so the conversation there, it was real quick because it was a lot of reminiscing and some good moments. You know, what do you miss most about the Sabres being a playoff team? And, and I'm sitting here going, well, pff, memories would be nice. I, I don't have any. <laughs> yeah. And for me, though, like, it, it was a very quick point, but I, I do always kind of like to, like, I, I always linger on it a little bit when I hear it. It was – Nate brought up that it was, like, you know, it's going into a 13-year playoff drought, but in hockey specifically, it feels more like a 25-year playoff drought. Right. And Bulldog was, like, just a full agreement. Like, yeah, it feels longer. And a lot of that is, too, it's, it's 82 games per season. You know, it, it's a sport that – Half the teams make the playoffs every year. It feels almost mathematically impossible that it's happened. Look at that. The Sabres defying math and the Bills defying math. Love that for them. <laughs> but for me, it's also like like you just brought up. Like The Bills were never that organization that would just dive into the dirt and just be truly atrocious. The worst they were was mediocre and completely forgettable. They were in a smaller market. They didn't have a quarterback. They had a few guys that were pretty good, mainly defensive stars, and then a few you know spots here. You know, Fred Jackson was really underrated and good. C.J. Spiller had an awesome year. Lee Evans was horribly underrated most of his career. It's funny that you brought up the the 2011 draft. Where they, I remember it vividly. They drafted Josh. Marcel Darius. In, in, term, in terms of who I wanted them to get. Who did you want them to get? Cam Newton, man. Like, just, oh, oh, at one, just, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Dude, yeah, yeah. Watching college football that year and seeing the Bills be bad to start the year. Yep. 
and Newton came on, I would say, about middle point of the year where you were like, okay, he's probably going one. Like, he's a different breed of quarterback that we've just never seen. Yeah. And then to watch the Bills win just enough games. And along with that, though, it was also just seeing Carolina be so inept with Jimmy Clausen at quarterback, a historically bad offense, and you're just like, that's the guy. Like, that's right. that's yeah. how the Bills – and I'm, I know a young kid at that time. This is the year prior, the 2010 draft was the first draft. I really remember, like – being excited for having a prospect I wanted them to get, Jimmy Clausen, and like being like really into it. Twenty eleven then was like, okay, now it's it's we're going, we're we're we're, yeah. we're, we're 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 full bore here. But it's it's funny because I look at this and I'm like, could they have could they have taken a quarterback? Could, did they have to take defensive tackle? And they absolutely had to take anything. I want to say it was Blaine Gabbert was the next guy. That Blaine was Gabbert was the next guy. Uh, Jacksonville nine, or I'm sorry, no, Jake Locker. Was the next Jacob Locker out of Washington? Yep. Wow, at, that is a name I have not heard in years. At eight to Tennessee, in his career, was I right though with Jacksonville at nine? No, Jacksonville was ten. They did take Blaine Gabbard though. Um, <laughs> he pl- Jake Locker played thirty games, had four hundred and eight completions on seven hundred nine attempts for just under five thousand passing yards, had twenty seven touchdowns but twenty two interceptions, and yeah. He was out of the league by 2014. What a draft class, by the way. Yeah, this is this isn't this is the isn't first a... seven picks all went to a Pro Bowl, at least one. Yeah, but after that, it's not great. I mean, you have JJ Watt. Oh no, man! Like, I, have... like keep going. This draft class is good. It is very, oh, okay. very yeah. good. Yeah, it's getting better as I'm going. You have Cameron Jordan, uh, Cameron Hayward, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick. Oh yeah. That was the year that Bills took Aaron Williams in the second round. That was fun. I was, I, I was always a fan. I was always a fan of Aaron Williams. <laughs> no, Aaron Williams was cool. I mean, well, look, he, he was a Longhorn, so like I knew Aaron oh, Williams. So right. I was like, oh, yeah. let's go. This is exciting. I don't know where. I don't know why I went down this rabbit hole in this draft, but I was just curious because I was like, who who was available? Could the Bills have gotten a legitimate quarterback that year instead? You know, aside from the number one pick. But yeah, you were right though. Like other than that, that was the one of their lowest picks or highest picks i should say was four and then everything else throughout the drought was like eight or nine like there was a couple other fours in there mm-hmm. but pretty much everything there's a couple 13s like 2004 was lee evans 13 yeah and then but this thing I mean, like, like they hung around most of that drought basically at either six and ten in between that to like nine and seven some years Right. And like yeah. that was only I think two or three, and I think the third one was them actually breaking the drought. Like yep. they just hung around there that entire time. But where... it's not like it mattered because mm-hmm. the Jets were still like okay. The Jets were okay. And... They had their run for the first few years with Mark Sanchez yep. and Rex Ryan. Miami was basically the same as Buffalo. Right. Their only thing is they went to the quarterback a bit earlier with Ryan Tannehill. Mm. And I think they made the playoffs once with Tannehill. I think Adam Gase was their offense coordinator or something like that. I, I think they did with Tannehill. But, you know, we talked about it with Jeremy earlier this week as we were transitioning shows of just, like, yeah, like the EJ draft was very weird. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. e- like, just we all vividly remember, like, it was just out in the open that, like, they were going to draft a quarterback kind of to shut everybody up in, like, the worst quarterback draft class, like, in recent memory. Dude, the 2013 draft class, I just – the name Ryan Nassib should bring back, like, night terrors to, to 25-year-olds everywhere. I'm sorry, night – what night terrors, nightmares, whatever. I, I was gonna say, yeah. I, I, sleep it, paralysis demons. <laughs> they should be showing up in your bedroom when you hear the word Ryan or the name Ryan Nassib. 
they hired Doug Marone, and everyone's like, his quarterback from from Syracuse, I know he has a fourth-round grade. Maybe they take him in the first round because they need a quarterback. That draft class is the bane of my existence, and it's one of my favorites. EJ Manuel was I, – I, I know this, but it's just – it's jarring to say see it again and say it. He was the only quarterback taken in the first round. He was. He was. And, and he was taken and even 16. then, it was considered a very big reach. Yeah. And, like, you, you look at the guys that go after him. DeAndre Hopkins. Cordero Patterson mm-hmm. in that draft. Like. Le'Veon Bell's in that draft as Zach well in the Ertz. second round. Eddie Lowe, man. Eddie Lacy. Oh, boy. Darius Slay. Do you know who else goes in that draft class in the third round? First pick of the third round. Who? Travis Kelsey. No. Travis Kelsey, yeah. Wow. Oh, that was when the Big East was still a thing in football, too. That's so fun. That's crazy. That is so fun. There's a lot of names in here, though. Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. third round as well. Oh, what a fun draft class. But but I, it's for the most Matt part, Barkley I, oh, in, that's in the right. fourth round of the Philadelphia that's Eagles. That's right. He <laughs> stayed in school, and just the draft process was not kind to him. Nope. At all. It was not kind to <laughs> but him. No, it's just it's just fun to I, I don't know again, I don't know how I got here, but 20, I just like looking at this stuff because it's so funny to see how far the Bills have come, especially around now. Because think about think about what was going out over these airwaves in twenty thirteen at this time of year. It was combine seasons coming around and who are the Bills looking at? They're at sixteen and who's available? What's available? Why what should the Bills go get? And now it's well, the Bills are picking 28th, and they need, like, one piece, and they can probably make the, the Super Bowl. They actually traded back. They were at 8. Oh. They were actually at 8, so they were much closer. They traded back with St. Louis, who went to go get Tavon Austin. Oh. Who, I don't know if you remember him oh. in college. He was Do a, I remember Tavon Austin? He was a highlight reel in college. So they moved <laughs> back. I don't know what the trade was. I, I cannot remember the, the, the trade, but I, I do remember being excited about that, or at least liking that they did that to still get the quarterback they wanted. I just I remember, just I I was so ready to defend EJ like to the death because yep. that was the first time in my life I could remember them like going out taking a quarterback in round one. At the time, I thought it was kind of cool that like the Bills were the only team to take a quarterback. So in my mind, having seen how like you know the NFL offseason works, right? And I'm like, oh, we're gonna have people showing up to training camp, and like NFL Network's gonna be there. And I was <laughs> I, like, I was excited. I was in Disney World. At the time, in his, I, th- I, I think it was the first preseason game against the Colts, and I left the parks early at the time and to I'm, watch the game. To, oh yeah, and I watched every second of the game. I had found out like earlier, I think the day prior, that like we would get the game in Orlando, mm-hmm. and I like I left the parks early, got there like an hour before the game, and I was locked in. And I was just, I was ready to go. I was ready to go for EJ. So, like, I, there very few players have broken my heart more than EJ Manuel. F- sh- just purely from the fact that I wanted him to work so bad. The trade. So badly. The trade where the Bills moved back to 16 mm-hmm. was the Bills trade their first and third round selections, 8 and 71, mm-hmm. to the St. Louis Rams in exchange for the Rams' first, second, and seventh round selections. So, 16, 46, 78. And 222. So they get four picks for two picks. I'm about that. All right. And they still... That was a great trade, if you think about it. At the time, it absolutely works. Because you still get what you think is going to be your quarterback in the future. And And then you also, at 46, can draft Robert Woods. That pick worked out. Or no, I'm sorry. That was 41. 46 was Kiko Alonso. For a year, that pick worked out. 78 was Marquise Goodwin. 
That worked out for a little while. <laughs> and who? what were the other ones? 78 and 20, 222 was Chris Gregg, tight end. Well, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, they can't all be perfect. He did play 32 games. Yeah. Didn't do anything, but he played 32 games. So. I'm just looking at this this class. We we can get off of 2013. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I wanted to make my point that the Sabres drought has been way worse than the Bills drought. But, <laughs> but I'm looking out at the top five of this draft class, too. I mean, what a time to be alive. Three offensive tackles go in the top four. Dion Jordan is a pick by the Dolphins at three. He is one of the biggest busts in recent memory. Ezekiel Ansa, Ziggy Ansa goes as well. Man, just, wow, what what a bad draft class. Yeah, that was in the first not, round. It's not great. I don't even think 2014 was all that good either. No, no, no. 2014 was good. No, I was very wrong on that one. 2014 oh, was good. Wow. Jadavian Clowney, Khalil Mack, uh, Mike Evans. Forgetting about Blake Bortles there, bud. Oh, skipped right over him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, so my my, my big point the there, though, is... The thesis there is... Is that the Bills very rarely, were, if ever, were the, clearly the worst team in football. I mean, like there were teams finishing with one, two wins. In the drought, there was a team that finished with no wins. Where the Sabres have regularly been the worst team in hockey, or one of the worst teams right. in hockey. Until recent years, anyway. Until recent years, and even then, now, I think they're sitting at, what, the eighth overall picks? Yep. They're, they're still picking top ten. That's still not great. Yeah. And so I think that's where it's, it's been so much more painful. I think that's where it has also allowed for apathy to really grow amongst the fan base. Where for the Bills, it kind of became clear at a certain point. They are just a quarterback away. Like, they just need a dude who is solid and can get them there, and they'll break the drought. Maybe not win a Super Bowl, but break the drought. Mm -hmm. You know, with Fitz, it was just, you know, hoping and praying that, you know, the Fitz tragic didn't show up. But, you know, Fitz magic was kind of born here in Buffalo. And then once they got a solid quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, it's broken, what, two years later? I mean... Right. Yeah, they, yeah, they got a little bit of help on the. I'm um, not a little bit. They had a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball, but once they got quarterback, it was fine. They they were they were all right. They were not. Yep. They were never the worst run organization in football. You could argue that at points in the drought that is still currently going on, the Buffalo Sabers were one of the top three worst run sports sports franchise in North America. Well, and what's what's crazy too is like because I was just looking at their draft as well. Like, their draft history. It's bad. And it's bad. Like, the players they pick, like, even... It's not like where, like, you know, the Bills, yeah, like, EJ pick wasn't good. But mm -hmm. the the Bills didn't really have any other options because they had to pick... Well, in their eyes, they had to pick a quarterback. But the Sabres, like, you look at some of these drafts, and, like, 2015, yeah, they take Jack Eichel. But that's it. Like... Every other name in there is J.J. Paterka is the first second-round pick by the Sabres I can remember in a long time even slightly working out. That actually hit. And there are a couple throughout history, but this goes back to the poorly run mm -hmm. aspect of the team. Brandon Hagel was a Sabres draft pick in 2016, sixth-rounder. They never signed him to his ELC. He signs with Chicago. He blows up with Chicago, gets traded to Tampa for, like, eight picks. And, That's right, and yeah. is And is a pretty decent player in the league now. Mm -hmm. And... You can also look at, like, let's say Rasmus Asplund. That was, like, the guy for a while, prospect-wise. Oh, yeah. Like, that was every, on everyone's radar was him. And, like, again, I'm looking through all this, and at points it looks like the Sabres are at, you know, the Bills part of the drought where it was, you know, you're picking around eight or nine. You're not bad, but you're not good enough. You just need a couple pieces, but and, you'll, and you'll be out. good to go. Like, you can start in 2011. They pick 16th overall. They take Yoel Armia, who played one game for them and is now a consistent player on the Montreal Canadiens. 
He's not great, but he's not bad. Mm-hmm. He's an NHL guy. You go to 2012, they pick 12th overall, Mikhail Gregorenko. Mm-hmm. And they also picked Gergensen's at 14 oh, yeah. in that draft. 2013, get a little worse. You pick 8th overall. 24, that was Rasmus Ristolainen. Then you go to 2014, second overall. That's the really the first really bad year. You pick Sam Reinhardt at second overall. Okay, great. He's going to help us out. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to start to turn around. It's going to be a little painful, but we're going to start to turn but, around. But we're figuring it out. 2015, second overall, Jack Eichel. I feel like we kind of all knew they were going to be bad that year. Yeah. It was the McDavid year. Probably should have had McDavid. I still think that that draft lottery was rigged, <laughs> was rigged. personally. Um, but then 2016, eighth overall. 2017, eighth overall. And then 2018, first overall, Rasmus Dahlin. It's just like this up and down yo-yo. And mm-hmm. then you go back again, seven, eight, one, nine, thirteen, And then this year, probably like eight or nine again. Yeah. And, and maybe if they make a push, it's going to go up to 13. Like, ooh, fun. Like, wow. It's just they, cool. they, they have truly just stuck around the same area in a sport where, again, half the teams make the playoffs, and they're not desperately looking for a quarterback. Right, exactly. It's not like you can look at one thing the Sabres yeah. need and say, that's what's the reason why. Throughout this whole drought, it's been when it's when it hasn't been goaltending, it's been everything else. When it mm-hmm. has been everything else, it's been goaltending. Yep. Like it's it's that's kind of the only way I could look at it, where you could say, oh, they need one position that's goaltender. You have that now, and you're not succeeding. Mm-hmm. You have Ukapekalukin and playing his best hockey of his career for the past two months, and basically means nothing, and it doesn't mean anything. Yep. So I don't know. I you're right. The Bills the Bills drought was much. It, at the time, it didn't look like it, but it was much easier to deal with. It was, it was than way this more drought. palatable than right. what the Sabres drought is. Exactly. All right. Ran a little long there. Going to take a quick time out here. Where we kind of want to go to today is me and Josh were talking before the show started. Some hopes and fears with the Bills offense. A lot of talk has been coming with Joe Brady and his offense when he was put into the interim, becoming much more run heavy. Is that going to be a thing that goes forward? I think most people kind of realize wide receiver is a need, but are we looking more at a much more balanced attack? How believable do you find Sean McDermott's comments at the exit press conferences about being pass first about a team that wants to pass to win games or do you think they are going to transition more to the run would love to hear your thoughts 803-0550 is the number Zach Jones Josh Schmidt hanging out with you till 12 o'clock you listen to the extra point show and this is WGR why why if you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why, why? good question why not switch to Cox internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Yes, I'm a defensive coach, but I'm going to say this, and we just lost to Andy, but I cut my teeth around Andy Reid, who is a pass first, you throw to win, and that has been my philosophy since day one. Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott there in his exit press conferences from earlier on in the offseason, and that's a quote that got me excited going into this offseason of just, I know a lot of fans, I think even myself, I've had to fight against it a little bit, Josh, where I get worried that he is... Defensive, of course, to his to his nature. I mean, he is a, mm-hmm. he, he is a defensive coordinator, but there's always been this belief, and I've gotten away from it. Fun enough in this year is when I got away from it, but I've gotten away from the belief that because he's a defensive head coach, he wants to run the ball like that's how he wants to win. Even though, really, since he's had Allen, they've been one of the most pass heavy offenses in football. Yeah. And then there was a lot of, like, well, is that Brian Dable? Like, now that Dable's leaving, are they going to become run-heavy? And then it was Ken Dorsey, and they were still pretty pass-heavy. And then it was, finally, when Brady took over in the interim, they became very run-heavy. I have been somebody that has been saying the reason why they went to that was almost solely due to the talent they had at the receiver position. Yeah, and that's where I was – that's how this all kind of came up, because we were talking before the show, and I, I I agree with you. I think that's why he did it. But that little voice in the back of my head saying, like, well, what if, you know, like, what if that's not why he's doing that? What if he is a run-heavy coach? And and is that something that we have to worry about in terms of, you know, is this what we're going to see the Bills become? And after further investigation, which we will bring up here now, it's not the case. Joe Brady, when he was in LSU, partially because of the talent he had, but he has great talent now on the Bills. Man, that team was so good. But also because I think that's the way he is is extremely pass-heavy. Mm-hmm. We have the stats here. You look at it, and in 2019, which was when Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator for the LSU Fighting Tigers, which we found out that they're called that, which Zach I'm not calling him that. I'm, that. I'm not going to do it. It's it's weird. I don't like it. But anyway, in that for season— For their sakes, I won't call them the Fighting Tigers. <laughs> in that season, Joe Burrow com- uh, attempted 527 passes. Compared to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they're featured back rushing 215 times in 15 games. Mind you, they were 15-0. and Jamar Chase was their leading receiver with 1,780 yards on 84 receptions. 
He did that as a sophomore. As a sophomore. Justin Jefferson had more receptions than him at 111, and he only had 1,500 yards. He did a lot of that from the slot, too. Right, exactly. So, that was a big thing so that's, coming out. Is so he that, did that, a lot of work from the slot. So if anyone out there, if, if anyone was worried like I was, you don't have any reason to worry. I mean, sure, we're going to see the run game, I think. We're going to see the run game be used, well, I think, which I, think I like. Because, because you have a talented running back in James Cook. I, yeah. I think I think it would be ridiculous to not get him involved. But, like, you even hear, like, those are the top two, but you even see Terrace Marshall Jr., who had 46 catches, 671 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Thaddeus Moss, their, Randy starting, Moss's son. Yeah, their starting tight end, had 47 catches, 570, and four touchdowns. Like, right. they got a lot of people involved in the passing game. And I think that's my th- number one. Obviously, that's my point. I, I think this is the offense Brady wants to run. I think it's the too. offense, uh, to a certain extent, that McDermott wants to run. I think as well, we just didn't get to see what Brady wanted to do at all this year. That was him taking the playbook he had and the talent he had and went, okay, we can't have this be a lost season. Like, that's what their offense became was we can't have a lost season. We can't just do something to do something. We have to figure out a way to win games. Even if it's not pretty, even if it's not sexy, we've got to figure out a way to make this not a lost season. I think that was the whole I think that was the whole plan after they fire Ken Dorsey. Is we're six and six. We've got to figure out a way to stay competitive. We have Josh Allen a quarterback. We've got to figure out a way to do this. I will say though, the only thing that does make me think they could become more reliant on the run is the fact that if what we've seen the last two years is that the long ball in passing games has kind of gone away. Baker Mayfield's like one of the few quarterbacks I know this year that actually was very successful throwing the deep ball. Mm-hmm. But for me at least, I still see the short passing game right. with actual guys who can get yak, who have speed, who can turn you know five, six-yard catch into a 15, 20-yard catch in the blink of an eye. I think if you actually have those guys the short passing game just becomes more efficient. It just becomes a better option than the run game. Well, also, of course, supplementing. I'm not saying get away from the run game entirely. But my thing is, like, I, I and I know, and I know defenses are changing. Look what Kansas City did. And they right. were able to basically shut down the deep ball. They kind of did against Buffalo. Buffalo had three pretty good shots there, and they just weren't caught. But also, to be fair... Allen missed some late in the season as well. Like right. It's not just yeah. the final game. Well, and also, too, with the way we were looking at Brady's stats here, because like I said, I was a little worried that, you know, what if Brady goes run heavy instead of pass mm-hmm. heavy? Because we're all on the wide receiver train. We're all ready for wide receiver to be something that the Bills finally get, and it's it's fun, you know? But looking at these numbers, because you, you were just talking about, like, the short passes compared to the long passes. Say the Bills draft Brian Thomas Jr., right? Mm-hmm. He is a guy that can, you know, stretch the field. He can go down the line and get deep. But if you have him doing that, while you also have then Khalil Shakir, Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, and even James Cook available short, then then you have multiple options. You have so many different routes to go. And I just I, I don't think they had that at all this year. Right. I, I don't and think they had really many options at all. Because this year you had Diggs is your deep guy, mm-hmm. and Davis is your deep guy, and then just Shakir and Kincaid in the slot, and then kind of James Cook every once in a while, but James Cook was having his drop issues, mm-hmm. Davis wasn't getting involved at all, Diggs had his issues, and then you just kind of were relying on Kincaid and Shakir to do, and this is just in the passing game, because Cook was great in the run game, but when you look at these stats that that Brady helped these LSU guys put up, 
And again, it's a different team. It's a different time, you know, whatever. But one guy that you brought up, Justin Jefferson, had 1,500 yards on 111 receptions in the slot primarily, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is if you want to see Diggs in a more short game role, that's where he's going to be. If you want to see Shakir get used more, that's where he's going to be. Kincaid was a great player in the slot this year. So yeah, once, once they started using him, he was fantastic. So now, if you add in a wide receiver that can get deep, and it is he is a deep ball threat, like Brian Thomas Jr., like, I don't know, who's another big receiver? Like, tall big receiver. Like, Adonai Mitchell or Xavier? Yeah. One of those two is, like, kind of taller. Right? Adonai, he's about 6'3". Yeah, so if you get a receiver like that, you can turn them into your deep threat, and then that, in turn, opens up these other factors. And then also you have your star rookie wide receiver down the, down deep, and you have a quarterback that can throw him the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think, in conclusion, <laughs> Brady just didn't have enough options. And I, I feel like we've all kind of known that, but maybe you know it's creeped back into some people's minds like it has with me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there because I, I for one, was like worried about that for whatever reason at one point. Mm-hmm. But looking at this, it's it's going to be kind of you know it's it's not going to be a worry. I get, yeah, all right. Because like I, I it's it's funny because like I was going to come in here saying you know Brady's going to run it more, and then after looking at this, I just kind of like debunked my own take. Like <laughs> like looking at these well, stats, but, but I think like it, it, it's fair to to bring up. I mean. Yeah, and, and like I said, I want to see them run mm-hmm. it because James Cook was great and and Ty Johnson was also really good, like in yeah. the role he was used in. You know, and so speaking on that, like, and that's the thing where like I'm, I want them to get better to their passing game, but I think that's maybe the thing that's impressed me most with with Joe Brady is that he seemed to unlock something with the run game that we haven't really had in a few years here. I mean, James Cook. For all his issues in the passing game, which a lot of drops and, and, and such, I mean, he was very, very effective in the, in, in the run game. And Ty Johnson kind of came out of nowhere. And now as somebody I would not be against at all bringing back on a one-year deal to keep him going, to keep just that that unit going, and just have Allen be like the short yards running back. I have no problem with that. I think it works. And our own Brian Koziel just sent me uh, Warren Sharp's tweet about the percentage of running uh, running back runs that did not gain yards. Jacksonville's at the top of that list at 25%. That's staggering. Buffalo is the lowest team, 13%. So more than any team in the NFL, they were gaining yards when their running backs were running the ball. Hmm. And so while, yes, I'm worried that they're going to go away from the pass game a little bit, I think they did show you, though, they've got something on that offense that if they can just add a few more pieces in that receiver room, which I think they're going to need to, of course. I, I do think they're going to have Gabe Davis walk and I think they are going to add guys in to the offense. They've shown they can work the run game, and I think it is still true to a certain extent that having a good running game or having a good passing game will open up the other one. Unless right. so on yeah. play action opens up the uh, opens up the run game, or, or you know, I'm you know less so on that. But while yes, I know the NFL is changing. Elite quarterbacks still win games. Patrick Mahomes and their defense was why they won games. It was not their running game. Yes, there are teams that are built better for that. Baltimore is, is a very run-heavy team. Philadelphia was very good as a run team. San Francisco is another one. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm at a point, like, I'm okay if they go a little bit more to the run because it works, and they're showing it worked. My fear throughout this run here was that I didn't think they had enough weapons in the in the passing offense, and it did show in that division round against Kansas City, where you yeah. had too many drops, 
in key spots that would have been big plays that you had for a number of years. But as we've talked about this year, I mean, have they really even replaced John Brown? Right. And yeah, that was that was the big talking point we had earlier in the week of like, you're still trying to replace a 30-year-old receiver that at the time was your premier receiver, mm-hmm. but you're still trying to replace him. Like, and you can't. You've, you've tried to go out and do it in free agency. You've tried to say, you know, these rookies that we drafted in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round are going to be fine. They're going to come up and they're going to do something eventually. And you could kind of say Gabe Davis did that, but he didn't. He mm-hmm. isn't consistent enough with it. And now is the time where it's, okay, well, we tried to get in free agency with Harfield or Harfield, Hardy and Sherfield. It's good that you just combine them. That's yeah, good. I do that with uh, Poyer and Hyde all the time too. It's fun. Um, <laughs> but but you tried to do it in free agency. That didn't work. It's like, okay, your only option left is going to get one high in the draft, not even first round, second round, third round, somewhere in there where they're going to be an impact immediately. Yeah. And I think looking at these numbers and looking at what they did or what they wanted to do anyway, at least in the beginning of the season, it's very clear that they're going to you know, continue this trend towards passing stuff, even though it was very run-heavy at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I put it to Twitter in the break. We'll read some of your responses after a quick timeout. You are listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you until noon here on a Friday. You're listening to the Extra Point Show, and this is WGR. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Happy Friday, everyone. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you until noon today. Get you over to Sabres Live at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. We do have a Sabres game tonight. They are on the road. They're in Columbus. Take on the Blue Jackets. Both teams not having a great year. We also have over on our sister station, AM 1400, Battle of Bridges, Niagara at Canisius. Niagara very much inching their way up the Metro Leaderboard. They're one and a half games back from Quinnipiac, Josh. I think is what I heard in one of your updates. One yes, and a half games one and a half games. And, Which, and they're on a three-game winning streak, too. Very good on the road. I mean, Canisius and Niagara are in the same. But they've been amazing on the road in Mac play specifically. And Quinnipiac and Fairfield play later tonight at 9. So it's going to be a very wow. big night so if, for a Mac games. So if Niagara wins and then Quinnipiac so if, loses. Well, Fairfield also, I think, is at one and a half games back, which is pretty interesting. Niagara would have the tiebreaker. Oh, that's right, because yeah. they just beat them. Yeah. Wow. 
That's Ni- Niagara's having some fun, man, this year. Like, that it, is it, fun. It is going to be a fun run to the tournament for them, especially theirs isn't like the Big Ten, which <laughs> starts like three days before the NCAA tournament. <laughs> it's 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 a mad so rush now, to finish. Now, it. if they don't get to first place, mm-hmm. what does that like? Because I'm not as well versed in college basketball. They will still have the buy if they're the two and three seed. I think are, are the three seeds that get the buy. I know one and two definitely do. Okay, and then but they just have to stay basically where they're at to get to. The chance to play in the tournament. Oh no, they're they're going to play in the MAC tournament. You mean the NCAA, I don't think NCAA they're tournament. going to have to. They're they're already going to be in like the the city where the tournament plays. If that makes sense, like the lower seeds will yeah, have to play each in. other. In terms of the NCAA tournament, court. they have to win the MAC tournament. They have to get okay. an automatic. Yeah, bid. see, that's that's where I that's where I didn't know how the bid system worked for for the MAC specifically. Yeah, they're okay. only only one team. Gotcha. The, the gotcha. conference tournament champion. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Before we take another time out, do want to get connected to our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Have some tweets to read as I posted the question, are you worried the Bills will become more reliant on the run game? And I kind of did want it to just be sort of a blanket statement. I kind of want to see how people are feeling just at that thought alone. A patient man tweets in a little, but as Joe Marino says, he was, he's been on the station a number of times from the morning. He was on this week with the afternoon guys as well says NFL offenses are changing, and that is absolutely correct. Defenses are getting much better at stopping the kind of spread offense attack. Teams are not able to go as deep as often as they were in years past, and now it's become much more, if you do pass the ball a ton, it's a lot like what the Chiefs showed, which is death by a thousand cuts kind of deal. You're, you're passing the ball a lot, but not going you know really very far there. Uh, Michael tweets in perpetually. Love that. That just It's a constant <laughs> fear of his. Me too, Michael. Me too. Nate tweets in, whatever wins the game. Dallas game this year was one of my favorites in a while, and it was run after run, and I do agree with that. The Dallas game was a blast to watch. I think worried is a little strong, but I am concerned that in the big moments, the ball is not in Josh Allen's hands. I think that's also kind of a big thing for a lot of people is that, you know, in fourth down. I mean, we talk about it now, too, that fake punt. Why are we fake punting? Just have the ball in Allen's hands. Right, because you probably would have had a lot more of a chance, and you probably would have done – you probably would have done a bit more mm-hmm. on that fourth down if you would have just, you know, gone for it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to go for it, go for it. I, I like I like fake punting every once in a while, but it's like if you're in that serious of a game and you are trying to go for it, then just, hey, we're not going to try to fake anything here. Try to stop us. I think it's my thing. I like fake punts when I'm a neutral fan. If it's my team running it, I want to fight somebody. And I, if but, it's run on my team and it's successful, oh, there's hell to pay. Yeah. And I, I like I, – I remember the one time Brian Dable ran a fake – well, the special teams ran a yeah. fake punt. But Brian Dable, like, orchestrated it. And it was the best thing ever. I don't remember who the Bills were playing. It might have been – It was fun, though. might have been Tennessee. It was fun. But it was awesome. And it's like, I like that. But it's not like you're playing in the playoffs – with a chance to win the game, yeah, I, like in that any was of those like a mid, that was like a week nine game, and it didn't really matter. Like, not that it didn't matter. I don't. But, I don't always want to be there where like the playoffs changes things. For me, it was like I almost didn't care that Kansas City. I, I guess it's always been the thing now. Like they had ten men on the field. Bills had the extra blocker. Like for me, it's just like it's bad execution by the Bills, just flat out. But I will never not want the ball in Allen's hands on a fourth and short. Right. I, I just. I just won't. We'll read one more here before we take another timeout. Jackie tweets in, no, passing and point scoring was down across the NFL. We're in the midst of another offensive swing. High-powered spread is hamstrung a bit. Sometimes you got to do what works to open things down the field. We all love the 2020-esque O, but times are changing as they do. Great song, by the way. The times they are changing. Wonderful song. And also great in the movie Watchmen. 
I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's the opening scene. Wonderful, wonderful opening scene for a movie that's, eh, overall, not too bad. The comic's weird, though. We are going to take another quick time out here. If you want to join the discussion, you can over on Twitter, or you can call us up, 803-0550. There we go. I got it out. Lines are open across the board for the rest of the day. We'll be back after a quick time out. You're listening to The Extra Point Show. This is WGR. There's guys that have explosive qualities, and they they create explosive plays, but I'm concerned about the sustainability of how their explosive plays are created and if that's going to carry over. I think a guy who is going to have carryover, Brian Thomas. I I think he's somebody who works in the slot, works outside, big high weight speed guy, great ball skills down the field, but because he's inside-outside guy and and he's worked – some quick hitting routes as well, you see a little bit more than just, okay, run on the vertical plane, extended play, or go up and make a catch. Kyle Krabs there, host of Locked On Dolphins and Locked On NFL Scouting as we get ready for the NFL Combine coming up next week. Talking about Brian Thomas Jr. there. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, I, I think <laughs> I'm much more of a Troy Franklin guy. I don't want to say much more. like It's like yeah. a, it's a clear cut, but like... I think I'd rather have Troy Franklin, but honestly, either one I'd be happy with. I think both add a skill set the Bills don't have, which is elite what's, speed. What's uh, the difference between the two? The, for me, I think Franklin does more damage against both man and zone coverage, where I think okay. Thomas is a bit more reliant on kind of his physical traits. I also don't love his, his – he's not great in jump ball situations. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I like Jaden Daniels better as a quarterback, and I liked LSU's offense better. Bo Nix got the ball to Franklin more than enough. No yeah. problem there. But I think I'm just I, – I, I, Franklin's faster. Well, so what you're saying there is you think that maybe Daniels was more part of the reason why Thomas stood out than Bo – like Bo Nix wasn't the Bo reason. Nix, Bo Nix was very, very good. Do not give me, I'm, like, I'm not saying with a better quarterback it would have been even better. Right. It's but, just for me, like I like what Franklin was able to do. I like his physical traits more too. Mm-hmm. They're both around 6'2", 6'3". Yep. I think Thomas is a bit taller, closer to 6'4". But Franklin's likely faster. That's something I've talked about aggressively whenever I'm on air, which is something the Bills are missing on offense, which is flat-out speed at the wide receiver position. Yeah. And I haven't totally just like compared either of them yet. Because I'm kind of like waiting to see how the combine goes. Yeah. If I'm being perfectly honest, because a lot of it, like now you are waiting for like their official measurements. What do they come in at the combine, which is likely what they're going to want to play at. And a big part of it, too, for me is like, I want to see who is the faster one. I, it likely is Franklin. Mm-hmm. Very likely is Franklin. But if he only runs like a 4 4 5, a part of me will sit there and go, all right, I probably want Thomas now. Yeah. Because Thomas will probably run about that, too. And he's a bit taller. He's a big play threat. So he kind of does replace what you had in Gabe Davis, which is just go straight, run fast, and catch a touchdown. <laughs> right, yeah. But he also will bring in more routes. His route tree is a bit more expansive. Franklin's is as well. I'm more saying to Gabe Davis. Yeah. But I think with Franklin, I just I want them to hit speed so, fast, so bad. Like, right, because, because, because I th- they have not replaced John Brown and they have ignored the position so much that, like, their fast guys they brought in were Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, who could get, who could not get on the field. And then last year was Isaiah McKenzie, who also really couldn't get on the field because he kept dropping passes. Right. Yeah, McKenzie was more so the fact that I don't know if the Bills knew how to use McKenzie last year. They wanted him to be a traditional slot receiver, and that was just never what he was. Just never nope. what he was. And I just think, too, like, 
with like like you said the, with the neglect at the position it's Diggs could be your speed guy for the first couple of years he was here and I'm not saying Diggs is getting old and he's slowing down whatever but one he is getting older and two teams are figuring yeah. teams are figuring out your your game plan it's well they have Diggs and they have Diggs and that's it and that's it and and, and, and to go along with the point too of like you know, I'm talking about you know stretching the field and going deep. Yep. There's also something to it, and I brought it up when we were talking a little bit about, uh, about running game and, and stuff like that. You add that speed element, you can do now a lot what Miami does, but you're a better built team in the regular season, getting better built for the playoffs. You can do what they do, which is just dump the ball off and let those guys fly. I mean, like that's a lot of times what we're seeing from like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Not saying they never go deep. But a lot of their big plays, a lot of what like really makes them special is that they can just take any pass that Tua throws them. If it's on the money and it can be turned into a big play, that just does not exist with the Bills' offense as it was currently constructed the last few years. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And that, to me, is maybe why I want them so badly to go a certain route with wide receiver, mainly Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin, and why I'm okay with them not moving up to go get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, I mean, that would also be just an absurd price. But even Roma Dunze and Malik trade, Neighbors. You would trade so much to get so any much. of those three. I'm okay because I'm like, yeah, but like guys that I actually really want the Bills to draft, the skill set is available late in the first round, right. late in the second round. It's going to be there. Plus, I can also add in a guy like a Roman Wilson if you know he's available in the third Roman round. Roman Wilson, like that. he's a fun guy that I always wanted the bills to be able to get it th- at, in the third round i think second would be a little too early to try to get him i think if you're really really on you know draft wide receivers as much as possible you go wide receiver in the first second and third brian thomas jr in the first or troy franklin or mm-hmm. maybe ed Nye mitchell's ed Nye been, mitchell. up, been 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 much more in the first round mocks that i've seen as of late second round jalen polk third round roman wilson I wonder if Wilson gets to the third round. You think, realistically, you don't think he might get there. I think his senior bowl did him such. What if? Well, do you think the Bills could trade up in the third round? Like, do you think he'll be in the third round at all? No, I think he's gone in the second. The se- so? His senior bowl performance did him so many favors. Mm-hmm. The guy now I've locked in more to, but if if they do go third round, and even him, I'm not totally convinced will be there. Is Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky? Ooh, yeah, I've been he's, seeing a lot of people talk about he's him. He's somebody I'm interested to watch at the combine. I don't think he's ever, he's going to be a flat out burner like four three forties, but like low four fours. He's got good size, so he's not you're not like drafting a guy that's like five eight five seven and like just praying that he doesn't get hit. Like he's got good size to him, great yak ability. Like that's we're we're back to that conversation again mm-hmm. with the Bills offense of like I desperately want them to have more yak capabilities because of where defenses are at now. I think they have to. Honestly, I think they have to to really get the passing game going to its fullest capabilities before, again, I, I think we'll eventually see another shift where we can you know, go more spread offenses. I don't think it'll take 10 years to get back to it. It'll take probably another two seasons, maybe, not even. But they need more yak ability because without it, like it's just, their offense just it becomes so difficult to run. Right. And that was always kind of my big problem with Dable as well as it always felt like it was so difficult to get done it always felt like it was they had to be perfect every single time and they were very good at it don't get me wrong they were very good well Dable seemed to know how to get the very best out of every single player on the offense whereas since Dable has left you're getting the best out of the best talent and then the guys that aren't as talented Mm -hmm. don't 
well, play yeah, at their and peak. And that's the thing too. The talent is not there. I mean, right. you know, when Isaiah McKenzie's your first slot receiver to replace Cole Beasley, like that's not great. No, and then, and, and, and then when Gabe Davis is the guy that's going to replace John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, that's not great. And you really right. start to see the cracks in the offense or the foundation that they've built. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Whereas, like, you can look at Dable and say, like, you know, the offenses were great. It's like, yeah, the personnel was not. Like he made magic out of the stuff he had to work with. Sure, he had Diggs and Allen, but other than that, there really wasn't much going on. Yeah, Cole Beasley, you get career years out of, but he was always considered like a solid slot guy, nothing crazy. Brown was considered like a second or third option. And, and you're getting career years out of Cole Beasley towards the end of his career. And John Brown. And John Brown. I mean, so, that, was, that was a thing too. Like when when he first broke out, Allen broke out. Yep. That was the thing that everyone was talking about. I was like, he's getting career years out of everybody. Yeah. John and, Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs shows up and goes from like, you hope maybe a thousand yard receiver every year to like, no, no, he's going to be like 13, 1400 yards most years. Right. And that's where I'm looking at, you know, that's how good Dable was as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing against... You know, Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady, I mean, Joe Brady hasn't really had a chance to do that yet to, to show what he can actually mm-hmm. do. But that's where you're really seeing that the Bills offense, while it was good, it was never good, like, outside of... It was it, for if me, there were issues, it wasn't good. That's, yeah, for me, that's it was always, it, it was just it was way too reliant on Allen being near perfect. It was way too reliant on Diggs being a true top five receiver in football. I mean, that's why I was also excited that they had a run game because they finally had a run game that I thought, like, when you need to run, oh, they can do it. Like, for years, it always yeah. felt like they couldn't. It was just, it was too reliant on Allen being a superhero. And that's, again, like, getting yak ability, getting good coordinators again. Like, that, yes, it was good last year, but everyone who watched it, even, you know, national guys like Dan Orlovsky is looking at the film going, it's, it's so easy to figure out. Right. It's just Allen being a wizard. It's him being the freakiest athlete on the offensive side of the ball we've maybe ever seen. That's not sustainable no. at all. And, and and along with that, you can kind of see, like looking at those offenses compared to now, you can kind of see why I, I wouldn't say they ignored drafting at the offensive position, but they kind of like put wide receiver and all that stuff on the back burner. For all those years, mm-hmm. it was because, hey, it's working out the way it is. Like, let's just, you know, keep it going. They went like, running back way more often. Right. And because like, that, that was the one thing that rounds. wasn't working was running back. Mm-hmm. And that's like the more I look at it now is like that's why I'm realizing like and maybe I'm late to the party here, like realizing this. But like that's kind of why I'm realizing like wide receiver was never really a, a priority because you thought you had a great wide receiver. And then Dable leaves and you still are good, but it's. Definitely not as good. I think a lot of it just it, it comes down to what I've talked about a lot the last few weeks, which is just how many Hall of Famers, how many All Pros do you see on this Bills roster? Looking honestly, it's one guy, maybe two. Josh Allen's a clear cut; he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Diggs has a really good argument, and he's an All Pro. But when he had a down year, they had to go to the run game just to win games. Their defense figured it out with a lot of in, key injuries, but even then, Matt Milano's an all-pro guy, okay, mm-hmm. that works, but he gets hurt. Terrell Bernard, I thought, should have been at least a pro bowler. Ed Oliver, he was a pro bowler, should have been an all-pro. But then if we're going there, it just becomes they're not as talented as maybe it was perceived. And it also shows how important coordinators are. Look at Philadelphia this year. They lose right. Shane Steichen. Their offense was never correct. According to a report, they lose their – security guy on the sidelines and Nick Sirianni falls apart. 
Did you see that? That was wild. That where I, I don't, everything I don't about the Eagles at the end of the year was just weird. I don't know who came out with that report, but that that what was his name? He had a really funny name that everyone called him. The the security guy. Uh, big big something. They all called him. He, had, he was a big dude with glasses and like a hat. On, he always had a hat on and everything, but. He got removed from the sidelines, and then the Eagles kind of fell apart because he was part of the reason why he, Nick Sirianni was kept in check. Like mm-hmm. he kept Nick Sirianni's emotions in check, and it's like you're an NFL coach. Like what? What are we doing? <laughs> it was Dom, Big Dom. Yeah, that's Big what Dom. it was. Big Dom. They called him. I, I don't know. I well, just think that's, like, that's everything that's about funny. them was just broken, and a lot of it yeah. was they lost their coordinator. I think the Bills, though, like I've talked about them replacing John Brown. I mean, they still are trying to do that. They're also still trying to replace Brian Dable. Yeah, they thought they had an immediate hire in Ken Dorsey right in house. It didn't work. I think with Brady. I mean, I remember when he was hired as quarterback coach. I was through through the, through yeah. the, through the roof. I was yeah. so excited because I thought Carolina did him dirty. You gave him no mm-hmm. talent, and they were pissed that he ran the offense he wanted to, which was throw a lot. Right. Like that's why I'm also not really worried that he's going to become like too reliant on the run. Like where they become like Allen throws the ball 20 times a game and that's it, and they run the ball 30. I don't think it's going to happen. I like though that. In situations like the Dallas game is is a perfect example. They could run the ball, and they didn't get away from it when they maybe thought, "All right, now, now let's go to the passing game." No, it was like, "Why they're not stopping us? Let's just keep running it." And you also saw in games like Philadelphia, where even in the pouring rain, the passing game was working. Cool, we're going to keep throwing it. We're going to keep going. Even it's working, and it hasn't really worked a ton this year, but it's working now. Mm-hmm. I also see him as somebody that's it, I I'm excited to see what he can do with guys like Dalton Kincaid, but also rookies that they're going to bring in this year. Like that's also why I'm excited for wide receiver to really be I think on a lot of people's minds, just because I think Brady has proven at least at the college level and in the little time he has been the Bills' offense coordinators that he can figure out how to use these guys to the best of their ability, even if it's not a ton like Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. What's also interesting is the parallels between Dable and Brady. Like you look at you look at their coaching histories, and obviously Dable's is a lot longer than Brady's is because he's older. But let's not act like Brian Dable was this vaunted hire, right? Brian Dable, he was an OC with the Browns for a couple years, with the Dolphins for one, and the Chiefs for one. And with the Browns, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's Cleveland in twenty it's Cleveland. in two thousand nine and twenty ten. Then you go to Miami in twenty eleven, and it was okay. He had, let's see. I mean, 2012, Kansas He's, City went 2-14. and 14. Yeah. In the 2011 Miami team, he was ranked 22nd in yards on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, don't know. He's ranked pretty high in rushing. I mean, realistically, he revived, no, his, that's, he, he revived his career with Alabama. Right. That's that, That's the point I was getting to. The, the, the All of a sudden, he goes to Alabama, and then, boom, the next year he gets hired with the Bills and mm-hmm. is an instant success. Well, maybe not in, instant success, but... A year or two into it, it's a drastic difference yeah. than what you saw in in him in the NFL before. Whereas with Brady now, it's kind of a kind of the same vein where it's he's one year with LSU, gets immediately hired to Carolina, doesn't work out because they kind of like you said do him dirty and don't give him much talent. They were garbage. They're like, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, why didn't you do good enough? I just think too. Like, I, now, like, I remember when he was first fired. Like, every like everyone that was talking about it was kind of just like, yeah, like he kind of got a raw deal there. And then, like yeah. a year later, it was like almost forgotten about. 
<laughs> he was there for two years, but like, right. it was like forgotten about when he was fired. Like, and he goes to Buffalo to be the quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. But like a year into that, everyone was like, "But what do you do at Carolina?" It's like, do you not remember how bad those teams were? They had <laughs> right. no offensive talent. It was DJ Moore. Yeah. And who, like, essentially became the new version of Stephon Diggs if everyone knew, like, man, if he had a quarterback that could throw him the ball, like, he would explode. Yeah. He barely had a quarterback throwing him the ball, but, like, once he became, like, a clear-cut one, he exploded this year. Well, and then, to further the point, is Brady has now kind of got his chance to sit in the backseat and learn a little bit, mm-hmm. whereas with Dable, it was he went from being an offensive coordinator to being a tight ends coach with the Patriots. Which like tells you how far his career had kind of fallen. Right. And then goes to offense coordinator for Alabama, comes to the Bills, does great. Brady, it's a little bit different, goes to college, does great, goes to the NFL, doesn't succeed, becomes an assistant coach, quarterback's coach with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Now he's the offensive coordinator, does good in the little time he had as interim, Yeah, and now has a full offseason to build his offense. So I don't know. It's just interesting to look at the parallels between the two of them as to how they're kind of similar. I think the and, key there for Brady is that he was able to push his resume out there, or at least convince teams enough that he didn't go to a bad situation as like a quarterback coach or anything like that. He went to a situation with Buffalo where it was like, if Ken Dorsey works, he's out in two years. Yeah. And I can hopefully take right over. I'll have kind of sat back, learn a little bit more about calling plays as an office coordinator, the whole thing. And I can slide right in. Instead, it happens a year and a half in to being right. there. And then he's interim. And then he's able to get the full-time job. I'm just, I'm excited I'm not as nervous as I was with Ken Dorsey. No, I don't remember being this over. confident at all with Ken Dorsey. Dorsey, Dorsey, <laughs> no. I was terrified because he had never called plays before. Yeah. And was not a coordinator anywhere up to that point. So for me, it was just terrifying in the sense of, like, I, I understood the hire 100%. He was the quarterback coach. That was kind of always the plan. I got it. But then it was like once it happened, it was like, okay, here we go. Like, let's see how this works. And, I mean, in 21, he was the passing game coordinator and QB coach. That always kind of felt like it was, like, setting up for Dable to leave. Like, they were kind of stoked that they had Dable another year after 20. And it was like, all right, well, then we got to get ready. So, Dorsey, you become the passing game coordinator. You're going to sit in more, and you're going to be having a more hands-on approach to calling plays, but not effectively be it. I'm interested now, Dorsey goes to Cleveland and is an offense coordinator. Like, I'm interested, like... How that's going to go? I, I, I think so, because, like... I. I don't want to sit here and say that like I know Dorsey's garbage. I, I the Bills' offensive numbers really didn't change all that much once Brady took over. I think part like we can go back to our conversation from earlier though. The, the, part of the reason was probably because he didn't he had the same stuff to work with. He yeah. just knew how to work it better. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he could work a game better. Right. So like I'm interested now. I mean like does his job rest on like can he figure out Deshaun Watson? Can he make that work? You right. know, I mean, they have guys like Amari Cooper, David Njoku's amazing, Elijah Moore. Like, they have some good talent. We'll see how quickly Nick Chubb's able to come back this year after a really bad injury earlier in the year mm-hmm. against Pittsburgh. So, like, I mean, he seemingly has talent. And I'm interested to see, like, if he's able to work. I'm not going to get, like, buyer's remorse for firing him. I was somebody that thought that needed to happen when he was fired. was kind of weird because, obviously, it was the 13 men on the field, and that was a McDermott mistake. Yeah. But, ultimately, like, that was kind of building for much of the year of, like, or much of that part of the year of, like, you were kind of surprised he got the job or got to keep the job after 22 and then all that stuff. So, like, I'm interested. I, I, I want to see how he can do. Likewise with Brady, I want to see how much his playbook does change compared to Dorsey's where you know Dorsey it seemed like ran no short passing routes and it was all long ball and and there was no one within five ten yards of of Allen right where with Brady it was much more 
pushed back. Like, all right, like everyone's going to be relatively near the quarterback. We're not going to stretch the field too much outside of a few plays here and there. We're going to run the ball more. And, and they did a really good job with it. But also, do we continue on the conversation of they want Allen to run less? Yeah, that was the thing at the owners' meetings last year of of uh, McDermott and Bean being very upfront about the fact that they wanted Allen to run less, I, without I think outright saying the words. But then once Dorsey was fired, they leaned into the fact that Allen was like their their tush push guy. Like yeah, that's why he right. had 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and they seemingly were okay with him taking off and running when he did. So it's it's I, I I'm just interested because the last two seasons. It has been this feeling of like we're gonna bring Allen in a little bit more. He's gonna be a, maybe a more stoic pocket, pocket passer, only run when he has to. And with Brady, it felt more like we we're leaning towards the actual offense that NFL teams are leaning towards. And the biggest problem was they didn't have the personnel really to run it. And their one big guy, Diggs, compared to Travis Kelsey of Kansas City, did not show up in the big games. Really disappeared. Where Kelsey, as the year went on, and really by the end of the year, into the playoffs, had really shown up to the point where, I mean, he had more catches in the playoffs than Dawson Knox had all year for the Bills. <laughs> right. And so I think that's that's what they were missing is just a few more personnel changes here and there, and they'd have been just fine. And even then, they still gave Kansas City, outside of San Francisco, the best game they had in the playoffs this year. It's also interesting, too, because I was just looking at, you know, when we got to talking about Ken Dorsey, I was just looking at the Browns roster there, and the Browns roster is just... It's weird. It's weird. Because you both you, are kind of nervous about them, but also are just like, man, they're in a weird, tough spot. Right. Like, you, you subtract Nick Chubb, obviously, because of that bad injury and see what he can do this year, if if anything. And you have Jerome Ford, who was all right in the time he needed to be there. You have David Njoku, who was fantastic this season. Oh, man, once Joe Flacco went in. Like, right. Just, they, they really found something. But then do. you have pretty much nothing in the wide receiver room. You have Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. That's it. And Marquise Goodwin. Like, I it Marquise just... Goodwin is still in the league. Wow. Yeah, right. But that's talked, where I'm... We talked about him earlier today. Yeah, right. And that's But that's where I'm looking at, at like, how is Ken Dorsey going to go about this? Like, is this going to be another, like, one and done or, like, one and a half and done for him? Because the Browns don't have a first-round pick. And... I just wonder, like, how are they going to work it in terms of getting another wide receiver? Because they don't really have the talent that's needed to keep up with the rest of the AFC. And now Dorsey is a big tight ends guy. We've noticed that with you well, know, the way he went to That's kind of why Kincaid was also the pick last year. Right. But they have a great tight end in David Njoku. So you got to figure that's a positive there for him at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just it, – it's interesting. I'm kind of curious to see. Personally, I think even though the Browns – aren't going to change that much in terms of losing players. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get much better. If not, they're going to get worse. Yeah. I, I think they were 11 and six this year. So I definitely, don't know. Definitely gonna be, they're, they're definitely one of the teams in the AFC that's worth keeping an eye on. Going to take a quick time out here. If you want to join the show, 803-0550 is the number going to transition a little bit over to the Sabres as they play Columbus later tonight. We'll dive kind of into how that season's been going and kind of what we expect here especially with the trade deadline looming ever-present with that team. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you for another half hour. You listen to the Extra Point Show, and this is WGR. Well, they do now with Suzuki and Caulfield, and it's fast outside the line. Alex Tuck's got a chance at a breakaway. Alex Tuck 
settles it down to the net, scores! What a goal by Alex Tuck, a shorthanded marker, and the Sabres have taken a 3-2 lead in Montreal. Alex Tuck's game winner from Tuesday, or what was that? Was that Wednesday? Wednesday. Dude, what? I thought yesterday was Look at Wednesday. this. Look at this here. Look at Jeremy's week, day of the week clock. Oh, Use man. this. I thought yesterday was Wednesday, too. I started the nightcap. I'm like, all right, happy Wednesday. And I'm like, wait a second. It's not Wednesday. It is Thursday. <laughs> now it's Friday. They did beat Montreal. Did not play all that great, but do get the 3-2 win over the Canadians. Canadians also having a really tough season as well. But UPL, what a bounce-back game from his game against Anaheim, where he really yeah. was rough. But hey, 14 shots against, four goals against, but then he... Takes that and has 29 saves on 31 shots against, and he had two saves. I mean, it, he has been one of like three bright spots for the Sabres this year. Who are the other two? Paterka and Casey. Middle stats. Okay, good. yeah, that's fair. That's a good one. Um, I'd even say Eric Johnson. Wait, wait, do, no, Brian, no, Brian no, no, Johnson. Whoa, Brian Johnson. Whoa, Brian Johnson. Whoa. My bad. My bad. Whoa. My bad. <laughs> I got Whoa, concerned. I was about to jump through this glass. <laughs> I got concerned. I was, I was like, I was fault. like, I want Eric Johnson to be a healthy scratch. I wish I there was a li- camera on my face to see the reaction that you just gave me. I can't I was, believe, oh. I'm mad at myself for saying that. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Ryan Johnson is Ryan an, Johnson. He's an acceptable answer. I'd put him as an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, that's, honorable that's mention. acceptable. Because I, I, I honestly was one of on the train of trade Ryan Johnson because I didn't think he was going to sign that's here. That's right. Yeah. And now that he's here, it's hey, he's. An integral piece yeah. of your defense oh, oh, going yeah. forward, at least. It does feel like it. Um, but, By the way, Dan Dunleavy on the call there, Oh, well, in, ca- in case people did not know that. Okay. All right. Thank you. But all right. Um, so one thing that I wanted to get into with these lovely, our lovely Buffalo Sabres is the trade deadline. The trade deadline is coming in. And speaking on one, Eric Johnson, not Ryan, Eric Johnson. So... Three potential landing spots for him. From teams, teams want him. It's a choice. Yes, it's a choice. Uh, Is this kind of like an Eric Stahl when kind of when he was with well, the Sabers? I I I don't really know like the validity of like not not validity like it's it's from Michael Aguello of the Hockey News, and it's basically that there were some scouts in the building recently, and one of them being Toronto. So mm-hmm. that's okay, okay. interesting. Yep. Um, Toronto scouts have been at three of the last four Sabres games in Buffalo. Um, if they were to make a trade with the Sabres for Eric Johnson, they'd have to, the Sabres would have to retain salary, but that's not that big of a deal because mm-hmm. Johnson's on a one-year deal. It's going to be done by July 1st anyway. Um, but I just I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you get for Eric Johnson. Future considerations. Probably. Uh, by like, the way, our own Paul Hamilton, uh, who is in Columbus for tonight's game, did say that at least for the morning skate today, Eric Johnson is the only player not skating. So hmm. maybe I'm going to get my <laughs> wish. Hmm. <laughs> um, in I, I just I don't know. In this same article, they also list Colorado and Vegas as other landing spots. Um, Vegas scouts have been a regular presence at Key Bank Center in February, with a chance as repeat cup champions they mm-hmm. might be looking to blow, bolster their blue line that's probably another one uh, actually no with all their ltir you probably don't have to um retain salary on that so mm-hmm. but honestly in this case retaining salary is probably better because you'll get more in return wherein yeah. other trades retaining salary is kind of a pain because then it's you know it's on your books forever but it's only a one-year deal so it's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal and then colorado obviously because eric johnson just came from colorado 
the Avalanche might want him back for the same reason as Toronto and Vegas. Because if Johnson gets traded, it's not going to be. It's not going to be. It's not going to be like move that's yeah. Gonna set it's not going to be like he's going to step into their top four. He's going to be like top six or the seventh guy for if someone gets hurt. Yeah, which is honestly at this point is what he he should be in Buffalo. There was a couple games there where he didn't play, and I thought it finally we turned the corner of okay, you know he's going to take the back seat in his kind of veteran role where he's playing every once in a while, but he's really more so there just to be a, a guy in the locker room, a, a leadership voice. Yep. But then it immediately went back to what it was before. And and that's where my issue was with with the defensive setups at least is I just don't think he should have been this part of this big of the piece of the lineup given the way he started out the season. Now if it got better as the year went on and then it's different, but like when he came in it was yeah, he's gonna be a part a big part of the blue line. And, well, but then say, as it went on, is... it's like it didn't get any better. So why are you still playing it? Why are you making this happen night in and night out and it's not getting any better? And that, and that's where I'm just – I'm very, very frustrated by the construction of this year's roster where, like, again, we've made jokes about it. But, like, again, like, Jack Quinn got hurt around the time of the draft. Yep. They made no moves to – make sure that they weren't in a bad spot when he came back. They just kind of were like, ah, we'll figure it out. Hopefully we're near playoff spots. When he comes back, we're fine. With defense, they knew they needed to get better. And they add a, how old is he, 35 when he signed? 35-year-old Eric Johnson. He's 36 now. 36 now. And a guy in Connor Clifton who was riding the bench for Boston near the end of the season and basically didn't play in the playoffs. So you really weren't getting playoff experience there. Let's be serious. And then they brought back everyone else. They brought back Tyson Jost. They brought back Kyle Oposo. They brought back Zemgus Gergensons. And it's just, again, like, these were not pieces to, like, augment an already good team. They were brought mm-hmm. in as pieces to be serious contributing pieces to what a team was making it seem to be believed was a team that was going to start their cup runs. Where all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're going to the playoffs next year, and now like the cup window is open. I think Adams outright said that the cup window was open. Yes. And so, like, I, at the time we were doing that show on that Saturday, you were excited just because, you know, they weren't adding defensemen, and there was kind of the feeling of, like, all right, former number one overall pick, that's cool. Analytics liked Connor Clifton, so I understand that one. But for me, it was always just like a, that's that's all we're doing? That's it? And mm-hmm. then... It, and then just kind of the idea of them bringing back Oposo and Gergensen's kind of fell flat for me immediately because it was like one of them I'm fine with. One of them I always had, yeah. I, I was always fine with because it's like you need that guy that's going to be, you know, do do the dirty work. Right. You know, exactly. on the fourth line, I'm here to block shots. I'm going to have a ton of welts by like December and I'm only going to get more. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'll be that guy. Like, that's fine. But you've had captains building in the wings for the last few years, so it felt like it was just going to be a natural transition to someone like Erasmus Dahlin, and yeah, it just even, didn't. Even if Kyle Posa stuck around, it was going to be, hey, he's going to take a back seat, he's going to go to an A, or he's not going to be a captain at all. Yeah. And he's just going to be a leader, because that's the thing. You, just because you're not a captain doesn't mean you can't be a leader. Like yeah. That was always my point with Ocposo, is like I, I wanted him here in the leadership role, mm-hmm. but I didn't want him as captain necessarily. Because now, next year, if he doesn't come back, then you have to do a hard switch to a new captain, and you probably don't have Ocposo on your team, which, in terms of a 
leadership role. I don't know if it matters that much at all anymore at that point. I'm at, I'm but, at a point, man, with with the leadership. It, it, to me, it's it's just a buzzword. Well, and it, it I wonder how much of it stems to putting Jack as captain not working, like blowing up in their face, essentially. Yeah. Because that, I think it kind of all stems back to that. Because since then, Ocposo has basically been their captain. Yeah. Since, since Jack left, he has been the captain. Yep. But when he was around, when Eichel was here and he was the captain, it kind of more so felt like it was Ocposo and it was other guys in the room. Yeah. And Jack was just kind of there. Whereas now it's like, do they have cold feet of... We don't want to make the same mistake. We don't want to make a young guy captain again and have it blow up in our face. I think a lot of it was they were just they were truly completely convinced. I think organization organization top to bottom was completely convinced they were going to make the playoffs with the same group. Yeah. That the eight game losing streak early in the year was a fluke. They were dealing with a pretty big injury to Matias Samuelson. They did not respond well to it. They had a really good run to try to make the playoffs. They ended the season very well. They saw what they had in Levi in what seven games, six mm-hmm. games that he played. They saw a lot in Levi. In they seven saw a games. lot, and what they saw, they saw a lot in the games that they got from him, and they were convinced this group was going to do it. And that's why I think now they've pivoted. And I'm, I'm going to say it's PR. I don't mean it really like that, but just whenever you hear now Granado and Adams talk, they do talk about this team still learning because I think that's the only way they know where to go now. Because to them, it is stunning that this team regressed as badly badly as it did. I think that's if there was a fly on the wall at KeyBank Center, that's the message. Or that that would be the feeling is stunned silence that this group really didn't take a next step forward. They took three or four steps back, almost all of them. Well, and also too, it's I, I don't even know if it's just the coaches and the, and the GM at this point. Rasmus Dahlin was on uh, the Ray and Dregs podcast the other mm-hmm. day, which is uh, Darren Dreger and I th- think Ray Ferraro. Okay, I'm not 100 percent sure. I have to double check that, um, but. He was on their show, and he was talking about you know the the youth of the team and and growing with the team and things like that. And he said this is a quote from the show: "We're a young team, and there's a lot of new expectations coming into the team. The way to handle ourselves in the new situations and the way other teams are playing against us, we are more res- we are more respected coming into this year. This it was new challenges for us, and we had to learn them. So it's been a really good learning curve for us. Some new challenges for sure." When he puts I mean, when just, you put it like that, it's different than just saying it's a learning experience. Yeah, but yeah, but because, it's kind of saying the same thing. It is, but at the same time, I get what he's saying in the sense of every year before this for him and for oh, well, yeah, Tage yeah, Thompson yeah. and for Dylan Cousins, the Sabers have come in as oh well, there's the Buffalo Sabers. Well, we don't have to worry about them. Whereas this year they came in as hey, that's the Buffalo Sabers. They were one point out of the playoffs last year. They looked great. Tage Thompson had almost 50 goals. A lot, and, of, a lot of people liked him going into it. And, yeah. I, and I know players around the NHL really started to like what the Sabres were doing and thought that they were an ascending team. But I, I guess like that's where – and that's, that's where I get frustrated when like you know I do hear like Kyle Poso was kept for leadership because then I sit here and I go, cool, then he's horribly failed at that. Yeah. Like, like and, and I don't mean to sound like that because he's been a great, you know, you know – Buffalo resident, he's been a great citizen the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I get injuries have absolutely derailed his career. But if we're sitting here now in the one year with expectations in the last five, six, yeah, and I mean serious expectations, so maybe even ten, they never looked like a playoff team. They looked like a team that was utterly lost most nights. They've all regressed 
incredibly to the point now where we're wondering, is Tage Thompson even really a 45-goal scorer? Is he more just like 30, 35 on most of his years and last year was a blip? I we're now sitting here with a coach who many of us thought was really ascending mm-hmm. to now I think it's completely warranted Stalled. of wanting him fired and a yeah. GM where many of us – I mean I remember maybe it was the director of scouting. I cannot remember his name, but it was after they made three first-round picks. Jerry Fortin. Crying, talking about Adams and getting people very excited about like just what Adams was bringing, bringing back that credibility to the team mm-hmm. to now we're sitting here I think rightfully wondering – is he even an active GM? Right. And, and and that also goes back to the whole, you know, don't make moves because you feel like you have to make moves because everyone's all upset. Make moves because they're smart, calculated moves. Don't just go out there and do a trade because it's a trade and you got to do something to change mm-hmm. the team up. Go out there because you think, hey, there's a person out there, there's a player yep. out there that I can get for a reasonable price mm-hmm. and I'm willing to give this much up to get them because they're going to make my team better next year. Because at this point, it's next year. It's yeah. no longer we're going to get this team better to make a playoff push or we're going to get this team better for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's next year. Yeah, we're hoping and praying for next year. Right. And to kind of circle it back to a point I made about Joe Brady and the Bills earlier uh, in the show, you know, they transitioned, they changed to not have a lost season. Yep. The Sabres have almost leaned into the fact that it will be a lost season. And they seemingly accepted that in like December. And that's easily the most frustrating part. And that's why I think you have so many fans now. And you can hear it in my voice. I'm not even really getting that upset, like just apathetic. Because yeah. it just it, you really do have to wonder, are they really even trying or are they just happy to still be in the NHL? I do want to push back on your Tage thing real quick. I do think he's going to go back to form. He had 38 goals two years ago, 47 goals last mm-hmm. year. I think this is the fluke. I don't think Hope that. So. I, I I just I don't think that last year was a fluke because you saw him do it basically do it the year before mm-hmm. in the same amount of games both yeah. years last two years he played seventy eight games so I don't know I think he's going to come back around I think Cousins is one that I'm a little worried about but I think he might come back around too Quinn obviously looks fine despite the injuries he's picking up injuries he had twelve points in seventeen games and Paterka looks like he's rising as well mm-hmm. so even if there are guys falling back. I don't think it's all for good. Like they're never going to go back to the way they were. Yep. But there, there are also guys rising up in their place as well. Yeah. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show, brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. We'll be back after a quick timeout to wrap up the show and get you over to Sabres Live as we get ready for Sabres at Blue Jackets later tonight at 7, 6 p.m. pregame, both, of course, right here on WGR. You're listening to the Extra Point Show. We'll be right back. Happy Friday, everyone. Quick final segment here as we get you ready for Sabres Live at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. And spring training baseball began yesterday with the Dodgers and the Padres. That's exciting. They're going to get the uh, the actual regular season going later on in March for the two-game Seoul Series in Seoul, South Korea. That should be a blast. What's not a blast, Josh, and, and I'm glad we're going to bring this up here to end the show because it, it's hysterical, but like, just what are we doing here? The see-through uniforms, man. Just 
what are we doing here? Yeah. It's I have so, so bad. So many questions. I think I'm more upset about the nameplate. Do you see Verlander, oh, how it basically looks like yep. a half circle? It's it looks terrible. So bad. It's so and it's bad. Also, there were two Cleveland Guardians players in a picture together. They were both wearing the same Cleveland Guardians uniform. The sleeves had different trim on them. Mm-hmm. The sleeves, like the end of your sleeve... One had like a solid blue line with a white line in it. The other one had was white with a thin blue line in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we doing? Like, how can you mess up that badly on two of the same jerseys? I think what's like, what's what do you funny do is everyone knew this was going to be a bad idea. And for those who don't know, the MLB has partnered with Nike Generated Fanatics. They did the All Star uniforms last year. Not good. They also and now we're going into this year, and everyone was like, it's going to be bad. And yep. then everyone got to spring training. And Evan brought up the nameplates as well. Just like us, essentially, if you have a, a name with more than seven letters, it's going to be it like now a has to circle. Yeah. Like it's it's so bad. And there's also and now there's, there's see through pants. Th- yeah, that which the see through pants are stunning, terrifying. Like and and it's also there is a Twitter page dedicated to people with f- issues with fanatics when they get an order. Like, you tweet in your pictures, and they post them, and you'll have a jersey that's missing a nameplate that you paid money for. Which is why everyone you'll have, knew, like, they're like, it's garbage, they're lazy, they barely try, yeah. this is going to be a disaster. And immediately, we, we didn't even get a, a year grace period. Nope, we got two weeks. And it was like, oh, this is a disaster. This and all all the players have been speaking out about it. They hate them, they don't like them, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're uncomfortable, they're not cool-looking, like, everything. Yep. And, oh, by the way... The NHL is going to Fanatics next season. Of course they are. Be like, ready. You talk about failing upwards. Fans <laughs> have hated them for years, yeah. but apparently yep. they're willing to pay a ton of money I to these know, leagues to get their jerseys. I don't remember their CEO's name, but I want to know what he did to be able to get into every single sports league. Have a ton of money and be willing and to pay. Still I think it's got, it's got to be what it is. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling because, like I said, you will get an order. You'll order a Sabres jersey, and you'll get a Minnesota Twins jersey. That has happened to someone. Happen? I saw it on the Twitter page. It happened to somebody. So just it's it's just crazy. I don't know how the MLB just kind of said, "Yeah, this is okay." It's also, really you're very lucky that Shohei Otani didn't play yesterday because we're gonna bully you about it. Marty dead inside, buddy. They the Dodgers beat the Padres fourteen to one. By the way, well, they have like eight runs in like the first inning or something like that with like one out. I, I yes, know it was eight obnoxious. runs in the first inning, six runs in the sixth inning, nothing else in between, just like a baseball game should be. What a time. Be sure to tune in next week as WGR covers the NFL Scouting Combine from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. That is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then a free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Coming up next, Sabres Live. After a quick timeout, you're listening to WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.